Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hello guys, I hope you're all well Thursday night again. Uh, Mark O'Hare here from We Love Betting, joined as ever by our, our little Alan Jones wannabe, Tom Love, and uh, the Wilshire Raider himself, Will Dyer. Um, Back to, to preview the weekend from home and abroad, as we normally do, pick out the best bets, the naps, the long shots, and everything else in between. Um, Tom, Champions League has returned this week, chucked up a few surprises, but uh, what I want to know is what was the major talking point from your perspective? Um, I, I think it's it's to do with like kind of league form kind of being abandoned a little bit when it comes to the Champions League. That's kind of been the theme for me. Yeah, we've not really called it perfectly, um, but that's just because I think certain players and certain teams can just focus purely on the Champions League. I think that players especially, they know that all the world's eyes are on them, um, especially for the likes of Dortmund, who got that surprise result at Sevilla. Uh, you know, Haaland seems to turn it on in this competition, Sancho and and I think it's because they they want to get the names in lights pretty much across the board uh, rather than just in Germany itself. And I think that really you've got two teams this this week that have just played Leipzig and Sevilla, who are kind of renowned for quite um, miserly defences and not letting their opponents have a sniff really. And they gave away two, well, not even two, quite a few shocking goals really being quite high up the pitch falling over just let it, letting uh, the teams just go straight through them like a knife through butter and it's very annoying when you kind of look into all the data and the stats and then it's individual errors that that um, seem to be costing you so yeah it, it is getting to the business end of the Champions League you'd expect all these teams to be performing at their optimum standards and they're making some horrendous mistakes. Um, it, well, look at Barca as well. Just being so open at the back. I, I don't really know where it's come from. So, yeah, it's maybe to look kind of a bit a bit further out from league form and just maybe think about how much the players want it in the Champions League um, because it's been completely against the form book this week. And, yeah, it's made it quite a... Quite a test for the Pontus. Yeah, for sure. Anyone who was on Juventus as well or at Porto would have been absolutely horrified by the start that they made in Portugal. Uh, I don't really know what they were thinking in those first couple of minutes, but fair play to Porto. Um, Will, over to you then. Um, you're, you're big into your referees, you're big into your penalties, your cards. You're always bringing out some fantastic data and stats on the podcast. I want to ask you, how do you, or, or how can you apply those kind of... Um, stats and figures that you have to hand to continental competitions like the Champions League and the Europa League? Do you do you take a competition-only approach? Um, of course, that would be much a much smaller sample, or is it still a case of, of looking at a referee's whole career f- figures and, and acting accordingly? Yeah, hello, chaps. Um, maybe not ultra-scientific, but yeah, I, I try to go into um, competition-only based, based numbers. So, for league football, I'll, I use like a hundred games minimum as like a 
as a standard for number of games the ref needs to have done in that domestic league to go off that data to infer odds from. If they've ref ref less than that, then I'll I'll, I'll tend to look at their total across all competitions for lifetime. Um, but yeah, for Europe, you like you say, you obviously have less games, so I reduce that down to about fifty. Um, but I'll go cross competition as well between Europa League and Champions League. I don't really see any any real difference between those competitions and reason for there to be fluctuations in cards. But I mean, even with someone like Connect Kakir tonight, he's refereeing the Arsenal game. Um, and he's he's only he's only done 82 European club competitions and he's like one of the most prolific around. So it's a tough thing to do. Um, I feel like if you don't build your own database up for all of this, it can be too time consuming to, to do that, to go on to, you know, Kakir every time he refs a game and he's you need to combine a Europa League and Champions League cards together to get to some kind of average. But if you don't do that, I don't think you should be really betting on it because, I mean, he, he was just literally one I selected at random tonight and he averages 5.02 cards per game in Turkey, but 4.34 in Europe. Um, so you can't really be going off of, and his, his all competitions average is 4.88 as well. So it's a, it's a big enough drop, really, when he goes into Europe to, to not be able to use his domestic league data. It's not really relevant. There's, there's obviously more feistiness going on in Turkey than there is in, in Europe, clearly, by based on those stats. So I just think in that case, even if you're if even if you think the sample size is too small, then you just probably should it should be a no bet unless you're you're confident that you've got other factors that weigh larger for for the bet that you're targeting, I would say. Um I also, yeah, just as I mentioned, also always try and go off lifetime stats rather than this season only. I guess this season more than ever it's more important to look at this season's because of the impact of no fans but I'll, I'll try and you know make a cursory check on the last 20 matches of a referee just to make sure I'm not missing out on one crazy trend like he hasn't he's only given like sort of two cards a game in his last 10 matches and I don't want to be back in overs but usually I'd, I'll prefer to look at lifetime. Oh, really interesting stuff um good to good to hear your views on it um Right, let's move on. Before we do start the, the main part of the show, just wanted to give one final little plea and request, really. Uh, Wheel of Betting has been nominated for a prestigious SBC award. Uh, I think the votes close next week. So we're obviously very proud to be in the list alongside some really big hitters in the industry. So we'd absolutely love your support. And if you do enjoy our content, if you do enjoy the podcast, uh, please do uh, let us have your vote if possible. Uh, there is a tweet going around on the Wheel of Betting site. Um, our Twitter page, I should say, and the website too. Uh, so if you'd like to vote for us, we'd be very much appreciative of your uh, support. Um, right, let's move on because there are a couple of standout Premier League games to look forward to this weekend. We're going to focus on Saturday evening's game. It's the Merse- Merseyside derby. Liverpool take on Everton at Anfield. Liverpool trading around 1-2. to two. That's 1.5 in decimals. Everton just shy of 7-1-ish to one-ish if you shop around. Uh, for me, I like the look of the 4-5 to five available on Liverpool to win and under 4.5 goals. Um, I think irrespective of results, Liverpool have actually played pretty well for the most part in the most of their recent matches. And I suspect Everton might try and contain here. Um, they were given the runaround by Man City in midweek, question marks still over the fitness of Alan and Calvert-Lewin. Uh, Hammers was on the bench again. So, yeah, I'm not expecting a repeat of last season's 5-2. Uh, I think Liverpool will be good enough to create a few opportunities uh, against an Everton team. It doesn't really convince me too often this season. So, 
that's how I see it. Over to Tom. Uh, how do you see this one playing out at Anfield to Liverpool against Everton on Saturday? Yeah, I think it will be a, um, a quite a tight game. They usually are these. Um, they, they tend to be relatively low scoring as well, which is something I checked when I was looking at uh, the head-to-heads. I mean, a lot of people talk about head-to-heads and how kind of irrelevant they are. And I, I'm kind of party to that way of thinking, but um, I do give a bit more credence to it when, when it is a big derby like this. Um, I just think that players on both sides are so hell-bent on not being embarrassed that it can lead to quite low-scoring games. So, yeah, I can understand your, your angle in there when I've taken it under four and a half with the Liverpool win. Um, I'm not... I'm not completely sold though on Liverpool, to be honest. I thought they, they were decent midweek, but I was disappointed in Leipzig. Um, and really, the two goals come from ridiculous errors. Uh, you know, first of all, just passing it to Salah pretty much, so he's one on one, and then uh, playing a ridiculously high line like that when you've got Mane going in behind. And uh, was it one of the Leipzig defenders slipped over and He's one-on-one the keeper. He's not going to miss that. So, yeah, I don't want to look too much into that midweek game. Um, I don't really want to look too much into Everton's midweek game with City either. Uh, City just uh, put putting goals past everyone at the minute, winning relentlessly. So, I'm, I'm not going to take too much from either game midweek. Obviously, Liverpool had a, a decent-sized flight uh, to Budapest and back and really they're they're still a bit thin on the ground when it comes to uh, heads especially defensively and I I do think they're missing a little bit going forward Um, they struggled at home going forward of late I think Hotter has still been quite a massive miss for them to be honest his impact was needed badly Um, I thought and he came in and gave him some fresh impetus he's still out and then even even the likes of Milner, Fabinho might not be back yet. Obviously, Van Dijk and Matic too, and Gomez. And yeah, the centre halves, Kabak and Henderson. I'm looking at Calvert Lewin if he does manage to get back fit for this, and he'll be wanting balls in the box. He'll he'll be wanting to attack things. It's just whether Everton can get into them positions to create. Um, so I think Klopp will be keen on his side pressing high. Again, not letting Everton get into the final third. They've not really got runners in behind Everton. I think they're better when teams sit a, a little bit deeper um, or play a, a kind of more of a mixed uh, approach to their football. And they, they can kind of get the wing-backs forward and get crosses in. But the Dinier and Holgate probably going to be pinned back quite a bit by the Liverpool fullbacks. Um, so yeah, I looked at the the prices in this, and I thought that Liverpool were a little bit short, just a little bit. I'd probably have them around four to seven, not one to two. And given the kind of struggles recently at home, I wonder if it does have a mental impact. Um, and the likes of Thiago and Wijnaldum and playing a lot of games at the minute, so I'm, I'm actually willing to take Everton. We have a one and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap around 1.89 with bet 365, smidging under 10 to 11. That um, basically means that you'll be getting money 
if Everton win, draw or lose by a goal. Um, the only way you won't make money is if they lose by two or more goals. And if if Liverpool do win, I could see a narrow win. Um, Everton away from home have actually been really good. Uh, fourth in the away table this season. I think um, unbeaten in the last seven. Winning five of those. I mean, it's a it's a great record, especially defensively. I think they've been strong, um, and I like how kind of adaptable they've been on Dan Chilotti. Showing that they can uh, mix up the game a little bit if they want to play attacking the can, um, and they seem to prefer it away from home, where the pressure's off a little bit. At home, they've struggled obviously against the likes of Fulham, Newcastle, two games that they deserve to lose, to be honest, uh, but. I'd rather kind of bat them away from home and it does kind of hinge on Hammers and Calvert-Lewin playing. I think if they score, I think this bet will be a good thing. And with Henderson and, and Kabak, um, I can't trust them as centre-halves. Uh, so, yeah, I think that Everton with a start looks like a good way in to me. Um, I will also look into the card markets, obviously, with this being quite a big derby. Um, it'll be interest, interesting to hear if Will's got any card-based players in this. But I looked on the um, the Bet365 Bet Builder, and you can get odds against for Liverpool to have over zero cards and Everton to have over one card. Uh, 21 to 20, that is. I thought that appealed. Uh, Everton are the fourth dirtiest team in the league. Um, picking up cards quite a lot. They've picked up 43 in the league so far, which is a, a decent amount. And if the likes of Tom Davis are playing, Holgate, Dinier, Godfrey, even Richarlison um, tend to get stuck in. Uh, so with it being a big game, I think them to pick up a couple of cards against the dangerous players that Liverpool have going forward looks like a good thing. And Liverpool as well have been... Um, we mentioned it in another podcast recently. They've actually started to get quite a few cards. Um, they had three against Newcastle, three against Southampton, two away at Spurs and Leicester too. Um, and three of the last four games at home, they've had two or more cards and they've been booked in all, all of the last four at home as well. So I think, um, especially now Kabak's in tour, could be a little bit tired after midweek and the amount of football that both teams have been playing. So they, sh- they should get a card here. Um, I won't look too much at their historic data because it seems to be catching up on them a bit. Chucking the derby factor as well. Uh, Chris Kavanagh's the ref. He's averaging over three cards per game, which is all right for Premier League standards. Um, so, yeah, I think that that odds against is worth a play too. Uh, both teams to have two cards is 12 to 5 as well, which looks a bit big, given it's a derby. But uh, I'll take uh, Liverpool just have um, at least one here, if you can get odds against. So, yeah, two bets for me there, both with Bet365. I'll take Everton with a one and a quarter go start on the Asians and Bet Builder. Liverpool over zero cards and Everton over one card, which is 21 to 20. Yeah, I mean, it's probably also worth mentioning as well about uh, from a Liverpool perspective and it kind of buys into the, the cards angle as well is there might be a case of uh, revenge and retribution really for what happened to Virgil van Dijk at Goodison Park. I know there's mm. 
not intentional from Jordan Pickford's perspective, but uh, you'd imagine there's still a bit of ill feeling from in the Reds camp because of that, and they might be that extra bit fired up to go and uh, you know put in a few meaty challenges uh, at the weekend. But uh, well, over to you then. What's your take on the Merseyside derby? Yeah, I haven't I haven't really considered cards actually, but I, I mean I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, how much they've kind of flipped um, in terms of cards received recently, Liverpool, and I guess that's due to this personnel issues and changing sort of intensity with the press kind of maybe changing a little bit and then getting caught out on the breaks a bit more um but yeah Liverpool have kind of had more cards I think in their last 10 game or more in maybe in the last eight games than they had in the previous sort of 16 before that so definitely um on board with that one um but yeah how have I thought about this game I, I, I got quite a bit of entertainment around this um <laughs> rumors about Klopp leaving um, float, floated that the idea with my mates that it's um it's probably actually one of the best markets to lay the favorite in is the sack race it's absolutely <laughs> mental that he went on to sort of, I, I think i saw something about him hitting three to ten on um i know he was definitely four to seven at betfair at one point to be the next to leave but yeah um seemingly no manager is immune from it um just as soon as you hit some bad form obviously there was a bit of extra stuff in there with the the, the death of his mum and somewhat sort of taught interviews lately um but yeah he's now back back to eight to one after his statement so that was um quite a roller coaster with that and i didn't ever think that there was any real truth behind some of those ridiculous sort of whatsapp threads that were being forwarded to people um uh yeah what else have we got here dominic cavalier has been out hasn't he but he's going to be back um for this one um in midweek, I did watch some of Liverpool's game. I think finally they got a bit of the rub of the green, like like Tom said, some awful defending um, from Upamecano. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it was it was maybe more gifted to them. But they they have still just been playing fairly well throughout this period, despite results. And they now three lost in a row at Anfield. I can see them probably low on confidence, struggling to struggling to maybe make the breakthrough um, in this match. And one thing I noticed, noted from City, uh, City Ever- against Everton in midweek was that City won the corner count 10-0. Um, and Liverpool actually conceded the, the second uh, least corners in the league. Sorry, have conceded the least corners in the league. Um, just 2.8 per game. And they've won the most, just marginally behind City at, at just, just shy of seven per game. So I feel like this is probably bad because they're chasing games more. Um, and I quite liked, I kind of played around with some some bet builders because I didn't really like the handicap. The handicap is set at Liverpool minus four. So you, they need to win by five or more corners, which seems maybe not a stretch, but not something I'm going to be confident on around, around even money. Um, but considering as well, Everton are actually, they're negative on their corner ratio. They've conceded, they concede more than they than they win, basically. Um, and they've conceded the seventh most in the league. Um, there's not really any clear trend on them against top half sides, but basically I, I like Liverpool over um, five corners and Everton under four corners, which are both kind of stats that they average over the season. Um, and that is 11 to 10 at bet 365. Um, just seems a much better way in than the hand, corner handicap and something I, I reckon has a good chance of happening with the way that I feel this game will pan out. So that was Liverpool over five corners and Everton under four corners at 11 to 10. Um, that's one bet for me. Um, 
I kind of agree that Everton look a bit chunky at six to one, despite all the XG data. Actually, Everton should be really quite low down. They, they should be in thirteenth um, for expect for expected goals ratio. Um, yet they're actually side by side with Liverpool. I just I think that gap will grow. Liverpool will probably pull it together, get some get some personnel back, and and probably finish second. And I, I really hope so as well, actually, because um. I have them in a real nice anti-post multi with with Norwich, Peterborough and Cheltenham, who are all going very well in their league. So it'd be absolute heartbreak for Liverpool to, what were they like massively odds on at one point to win the, win the league and now drifted out to a huge price, 80 to 1 they are now. So yeah, hope they can cling back to second for that bet. But um, one other one for me as well is um, Kabak. I know I've been talking about him a lot on this podcast and then I put him up to be carded in the in his last game for Schalke against Bremen, um, or at least his last. He's on loan, isn't he? So maybe not his last. But um, and then yeah, I hadn't I had backed him, but I hadn't tipped him up here. But um, in his game last weekend, um, but he is seven to two to be carded. He's got two two cards in two starts um, for Liverpool. Um, I just I think that's quite a nice price. He's clearly he's. Um, He'll be aware of the magnitude of a Merseyside derby, but obviously he's not really got any affinity to the club yet. But just going beyond that as well, he's just left really exposed by Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's new to this sort of high-press style of, of Liverpool, although albeit maybe it's a bit reduced in intensity at the moment. Um, and with with Liverpool's form that needs a rest in pretty sharpish, I don't think he's going to be given much protection. Um, he's a bit of a... He'll be he'll probably be battling as well with um, Richarlison, who's a bit combustible. So I could see something happening there between those two. You could easily maybe get in a spat with him um, as well. So maybe not spit at him though. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think he's pretty certain to start. If even if Fabinho does come back, Henderson will probably then go back into midfield. So I expect Kabak, who did play all right against Leipzig, will. Um, We'll, we'll get a start here. And yeah, 7-2 to be carded is at Bet Victor. Uh, and I can't really say no to that one. So nothing for me on the on the 1x2 or the handicaps, just the, the corner bet and the cabat card. Good stuff. Two good bets well presented to us. So I like them both. Um, let's move on. Tom's put his usual poll out on Wednesday to see which game you guys wanted us to cover. From the continent outside of the Premier League, uh, two humdingers to choose from in Italy. There's the Ruhr Derby in Germany, Monaco PSG as well. Some crackers on the continent this weekend. You guys voted for the Milan Derby, AC, the hosts, at San Siro on Sunday afternoon. They're 13 to 5, that's around 3.7 into around 11 to 10, 2.1-ish. Milan were absolutely appalling at Spezia last weekend. Uh, probably the worst they've been in a long, long time. Uh, cost me a packet as well. But um, anyway, they uh, into a very businessman-like, I could say, uh, against Lazio, Lukaku, unplayable, Lautaro playing well again. Uh, Milan have to go to, or had been in Belgrade on Thursday night, though, which isn't ideal, into with a full week to prepare for this one. So you can certainly see why they are favourites. They are now in the top of the table in, in the race for the Scudetto as well. Uh, if I was having a bet, um, I'd be having a quick look to see what price you can get on the double 
of Zlatan and Lukaku to be carded after their incidents in the Coppa Italia not so long ago. Uh, even if they don't go head to head together, they're both going to be, well, they're both you know, no strangers to cards in this match or in their recent league matches either. So there's a couple of angles to choose from. Um, some nice prices you'll get around that, the double two, if you chuck them in together. But um, I'm going to go to Will for his best bet and his view on the Milan derby on Sunday afternoon. I thought that you were about to say on Akaku and Ibra to the double and them to score, but because um, <laughs> that, that is exactly what I'm I'm thinking. But yeah, obviously they had that that little um, square up as well, didn't they, in the Coppa Italia? Um, yeah, can I take it back on the AC Milan to win the Scudetto that I said a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't look Tom's looks a surety now, maybe not a surety, but. Um, yeah, they, they didn't create much at all at Spezia, did they? Now into a back top. And the commentators called it one of the biggest shocks for many years um, with with Spezia being Milan. But I quite disagree with that. And Spezia were only around 5-1, to one, even though I, I did quite like AC to win there as well. Um, yeah, so Spezia that's were kind good, of... weren't they? They're, they're excellent. Yeah, great little set piece from... I think he's also called Bastoni, isn't he? He's obviously not the same one as, as Inter, but yeah, that was very nice. And yeah, no, they're quite a solid little team, actually. They're doing all right. I don't really know why anyone would think that that was a huge shock, to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, like like you say, um, Lukaku, absolutely unplayable. And my, one of my main angles is is him and, and Ibrahimovic. Ibra, Ibra was rested, at least he was rested on the bench tonight. Um at Red Star Belgrade um, for this game. And he's, I mean, he's four off um, the record for most goals scored in uh, the Derby della Madonnina. Um Just, yeah, three weeks ago, obviously, that was that, was that goal sending off penalty. Um, Frosinari's lead was completely ruined by their own forwards, really, there with um, Ibra getting sent off and then Rafael Leal giving away a penalty as well and just evaporated. And then, obviously, um, Ericsson with a free kick. He's, he's been mostly sidelined by Conte um, with a late free kick and sort of 10 minutes of added time. But um, when they also met back in October, that was a 2-1 win with um, Zlatan scoring a brace um, for AC. And basically, well, Lukaku and Ibrahimovic have both scored in all of the last three meetings between between or all of the last three Milan derbies. Um so something I wanted to look at I, across both those games earlier this season, Kolarov was up against um, Zlatan and he really didn't do very well with him. But I think he'll probably, he's been rested recently. And I'm not sure how they'll play it down the, down the left side of defence Inter because, uh, I mean, they've been playing Ivan Perisic at wing back and I'm, that might be a bit risky to play such a forward thinking player there. But the backup is... So either it's Kolarov or it's Ashley Young, and both are ancient as well. So I think they're a bit. That's a bit of a weak spot for them in this matchup. But otherwise, they're they've been very good and probably have the. They definitely have the best eleven in the league. I would say at the moment, better than Juve as well. Um, yeah. Um, so if you look at the season stats of of these two, I think Ibra has scored in in eight of eleven starts this season, and Lukaku in twelve of eighteen. If you were to try and, it's obviously quite a crude thing to do just to look at those percentages of them scoring, but basically it comes out at 67% for Lukaku scoring and 73% for Ibra. To combine those, you should be looking at doubling them, gets you about 49% chance of both scoring in the game. And I obviously don't, 
you know that's that doesn't that ignores a lot of other larger sample sizes but they have done it in the, in the last three um derbies and obviously 49 percent would come out around 21 to 20 which is it's obviously a lot bigger than that it's four to one um at sky bet and betway for both players to score um if you bet where it's in the bet builder market and Skybet have a both players to score separate market, which is a little bit bigger than most other places like bet three five, it's only around three to one. And I, I quite like that. I just think it's a high scoring match. Probably again, both, both of those players have been really involved in the action in all of the last three. Um, so that's, that's a little side bet for me. Um, obviously four to one smaller stakes, really. Um, the referee is, is Devery and, of the 18 refs that have done seven or more games in the Serie A this season, he has the second lowest cards per game, uh, just 3.73 per game. And he's not given a single red card either, which is, he's also quite a lot lower than his lifetime average, which is just over five. So I'm steering clear on, on cards, unfortunately. Um, pens wise, he's given one or more in seven of his last 20 and lifetime. It's similar. He's around a, a 33%. So one in three guy. Um, which is no way near enough to make the the seven to four about a pen awarded um, angle any angle on spot kicks either, unfortunately. So I think it could be a bit less explosive or eru- like eruptive on the sort of match events front front, but hoping goals continue at least. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of it for me. I I, I know last week we obviously had Inter Lazio. Um, had a nice winner on that two to one on both teams to score in the second half. Um, it's two to one again at Betfair and Paddy Power in this match. AC don't really have a preference on which half they score in, but Inter's is really growing more and more to be a well, uh, that trend with 22 of their 32 goals at home have arrived after the break. Um, AC are just about evens for that 11 of 22 at um, Giuseppe Miazza. So um, maybe not hugely as preference for that with Lazio obviously last week I mentioned how much they they really at all their last seven games in a row they scored in the second half um but yeah that that's it really I, we, we we previewed into a lot of we over the last few weeks less so with AC but nothing else I can really say about both of them I I, I think Inter are rightly favorites um I prefer to just look at those two players who are always always part of center of the stage yep Let's move over to Tom then to see what he thinks on the Milan derby. What's your angle in? Yeah, I think the the um, the match prices for some kind of silly reason. I, I thought that the bookies would forget that both these teams play at the same stadium, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they haven't. Inter are eleven to ten there or thereabouts, and um. I wanted to get with them, but that that price is a bit too short for me. Um, just looking at the team that Milan are playing in Belgrade, and it's it's relatively strong, but they've got a very um, a very deep squad there these days, so it's not too much of an issue for them. And the the main men have been rested, um, so the likes of Ibrahimovic will come back in, and I think that. It's very hard these days to see AC Milan not scoring. I mean, we mentioned on a previous podcast how often they score two or more goals. Um, it just, I think that are they going to get two against this defence? I'm not sure, but I do think that they will score. 
because Inter's defence this season hasn't been great. Um, they've been gettable. So I, I looked at both teams to score, and it's a, again, that's a bit too short. But I think they're a, a really good way of getting a bit more value out of this is is taking both teams to score and both teams to be carded in the second half, which you can do on the bet builder. It pays 11 to 8 with bet 365, which I think is a really nice price, to be honest, because checked um, both teams to score and both teams to have a card. It's 4 to 5. It's not, not brilliant. But with Doveri, I think that he'll be quite lenient in the first half, at least. But it's going to boil over at some point, you would imagine. And second half cards, these two teams are, are pretty decent for them, and especially in the big games. So I, I can see, um, especially with both teams going for the title, that it will kick off in the second half at some point. So that's a really nice boost on the 8-15 to 15 about both teams to score. If you're chucking both teams to have a card in the second half, um, just as a prize player, I'm, w- I'm willing to have a go on that as my main bet here. Um, I think that if you look at the data of the two teams, it's pretty similar. Um, I do think Inter have been slightly better um, on the whole stretch of the season, despite kind of acing one scoring two or more goals in a lot of their games. I think Inter have been better from open play than Milan. Uh, and defensively, they have been better too. Me, AC Milan are conceding around 1.3 expected goals per game, which is poor for a team that's meant to be going for the title. Um, maybe them kind of dropping off, it's to be expected with them kind of figures. And I know they brought in Tamori at the back, but um, I still think they're, they're lacking a bit of um, leadership at the back. I think that they can can get caught out. Um, and I think that the quality that Inter have up front with Martinez and Lukaku and Hakimi will be too much. So I do think Inter will win. The price isn't brilliant, though. Um, so I do think both Inter score and, and chucking the cards angle gives you a real good runner there at a nice price. It's also nice that if, you, if you're just going for second half cards, you bet still running, really, for the majority of the game. Um, which is nice from kind of entertainment perspective. Something that sometimes gets a bit overlooked in in betting. You want your your value for money um, when you when you're back in these kind of things. So yeah, that that would be my main play. And it's interesting that you brought up um, Uber and Lukaku for cards in a double mark. I wrote that down. It's eighteen to one with bet three six five. Nice. Yeah, does that tempt you in? Yeah, I might wait until um, until Saturday until a few four, few more firms of how many firms have priced it up so far? Um, I think it's just the three at the minute. That's with Bet Three Six Five, the best I can see. Uh, Ebra's around eleven to four, and Lukaku's four to one, which isn't bad. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. These kind of and the narrative is going to be behind that, and I know that near the San Siro they've put some kind of like mural of them going head to head. So they're all over the narrative, aren't they? There, and I think that the only way that they'll both really get carded is if they if it does kick off. 
and they both kind of meet each other because at the end of the day they're at the opposite ends of the pitch they're not really going to be tackling each other um so I'd kind of err with a bit of caution on that, but I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not anticipating the two of them to be chasing after each other. It's more just uh, from an individual perspective as well. I've, I've seen Lukaku now in the last couple of weeks. The way he's been playing, he's he's so physical. He yeah. likes the challenges, um, and he's not too too afraid to sort of dish it out as well. Especially when Inter are defending leads, chasing down balls, putting the putting the shoulder in, leaving a leg in as well on defenders who are clearing the ball. Uh, and then Zlatan, he's always got the uh, the potential to explode, hasn't he? Especially if things aren't going his way and into do get a lead as well. So um, it's just uh, obviously the narrative is there. But um, I think even without you know having to sort of meet each other apart from set pieces, uh, I do think there's potential for both of them to, to collect as well. Yeah, yeah. I think at that price, it's going to tempt quite a lot of people in. It'd have probably been about forty to one uh, in the first game, but you can appreciate why it would be a bit shorter here. Um, I, I saw that uh, both players to score and both players to be carded. That's eighty to one. Seen that flying about on Twitter last time. Um, a few people managed to get on that. But a big old price, uh, eighty to one. If, if that kind of tickles you, which I'll be having a quid or two on for a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that the match prices look pretty much bang on to me. I just think goals are the way to go. And I do think that price on both teams to be carded in the second half, chucking that with both teams to score 11 to 8, makes a lot of appeal. So that will be my main bet in this game. Okay. Let's move on then, because uh, I want to get your naps and your next bests, but also want to get your long shots, which is where we're going to start. Uh, I'll go back to Will then. A better seven to two or larger, you think is worthwhile this weekend? Yep, I've got a bit of a price play for us. A bit frustrated with last week's long shot getting voided, just like it feels like every every one. Well, maybe they were everyone, <laughs> but we had a few few frozen pitches and voided things and all sorts going on. Melbourne entered lockdown, so my cards bets over there were, were down as well but um yeah i reckon it might have won last week because yeah hoffenheim obviously got that 2-2 draw um away at dortmund and Kramerich was left out due to late injury news um but yeah uh with that 2-2 draw he probably possibly would have scored but we, we go again um this time yeah a bit of a price play in league one it's going to sound a little mad once after I read you this stat for, for you to try and get behind this team. <laughs> um, Northampton Town haven't scored in six matches. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they lost two hugely important ones recently against uh, Wigan and Burton sides down around them. So they've been really dragged into the, the mire with with us, uh, with, with Swindon and Windows too. Um, but uh, they're 11-2 to two to win at Stadium MK for MK Dons. Um, at bet 365 that is and I just for context Wimbledon who are bang level on points with Northampton are shorter to win away at third place Peterborough um, so it was just an intriguing kind of price for me there um, whereas MK Dons are in 13th they're playing fairly well right now MK like on all the form tables they're, they're doing all right XG wise but um, I just think there's a bit of disparity there with 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 how that this game has been priced up, um, and yeah, Northampton's data is pretty bad on a season view, um, and it's the worst as well in the league over the last 16 games. But defensively, they're 
they've really improved a little on the road, especially they've had three clean sheets in the last three away games, two of those against sides in the top what, top eight or so, I think, Ipswich. Um, and I uh, can't remember who the other game was. Uh, Accrington, also in the top six. Um, and all three of those matches, they've they've outshot, either outshot their opposition in terms of just total shots or shots on target. Um, so it's not really just been a case of holding on for a point and a point isn't really enough at this stage of the season really this is the kind of game where you're playing another team who's in the bottom half um at a price like 11 to 2 um i think they need to go for it in in midweek um their game against um ipswich darren drysdale took most of the headlines uh, the referee after he pushed his head towards alan judge um so it was a bit of a boring game but they they hit the bar through pete kioso who's been playing quite well apparently for Northampton on the right recently um offensively just things seem to be improving defensively they're managing clean sheets Keith Curl was obviously sacked um about eight days ago now um won them promotion via the playoffs last season um but that's that sacking didn't really take anyone by surprise there those defeats again well there was a defeat against Wigan and and then they didn't get that new manager bounce that we talked about recently being a myth anyway um, against Burton last weekend. Um, but yeah, just one, one goal in those past seven games. It kind of, I guess that was no surprise that he, he was, he's gone. So in place is the under 18s coach, John Brady. Um, and yeah, just a creditable result really there away at Ipswich. Um, and I think that price is it's basically main, mainly off that, that I'm going. And obviously there's a couple of trends that look like they're starting to improve, but they really need to find some more goals, Northampton. Um, if they do win this, it's probably going to be very low scoring and going to require a good defensive display. But I think eleven to two is is worth a go. It's just we're in a you know we're in a time when home advantage is is diminished. Um, it's getting competitive at the bottom of that League One table, um, and I don't think Milton Keynes have really got much much prospects of a playoff finish either. Although we're still a fairly long way off the end of the season yet, but. I'll have a chance at that Northampton to win. Of the Cobblers, says Will this weekend. Tom, talk to me about your long shot. Yeah, I'm going to stick in the Premier League. Um, I'm going to go to the other game that we uh, might have covered, uh, which is the Arsenal-Man City game. And I just think that one player in the card markets just looks a bit too big to ignore. Um you you probably say it's a fair price when you look at his card stats, but he's making quite a lot of fouls. That's Kyle Walker. He's seven to one to be carded with bet three six five. And I'm looking at right backs up against Arsenal, and they seem to struggle quite a bit because that's the side that they go down most mostly. Whether it be um, whether Saka starts on the left, if it's Smith Rowe. Pepe, even Aubameyang kind of goes out there. They try and overload that right-hand side. I think given how kind of attack-minded the full-backs are for City, they'll, they could come a bit unstuck, especially in transition. And Walker actually commits the most fouls of any Man City player who's played kind of at least 10 games this season, uh, around 1.4 fouls per game. Saw them commit a lot of fouls against Everton. Um, they only managed to pick up one card. I think that 
when kind of these these once the season goes a bit further on like it is now and they just want to try and get the title done as soon as they can. I think that we will see City start picking up a few more cards again, especially with the Champions League rowing back around and they could be a little bit tired. Uh, especially with all the cups that are going on too. So I thought seven to one is around seven to two in some other places. Um, I think that's a little bit too big. I appreciate John Moss is the ref who um, who likes to tend to keep his cards in his pocket, but I just think that the danger area for Arsenal on the break here will be on that left hand side. Walker commits the most fouls, as I said. And the price dictates my play here. I'd probably make him closer to four to one. So if you can get seven to one with bet three six five, that does appeal. It, when he does get carded, it tends to be in the big games too. Um, uh, he got a card in the Champions League too this season, and uh, I'm sure that he will pick up a few more this season. I'm banking on uh, this game to be one of them because I think if if he's going to pick up a card against anyone. It'll probably be against um, the likes of Villa or Arsenal or Liverpool, um, who, who have threats on that side. So yeah, willing to take that seven to one. Uh, not much else kind of stood out as a long shot. So yeah, hope hopefully something for a bit of interest on on uh, Super Sunday. Yeah, it's a big price that. Um, I'm going to stay with you for your next best. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to um, go into. France actually, uh, I've seen to be going to France quite a bit and one team that kind of stood out a little bit on, on the prices when I was looking this morning was Montpellier, who are at, uh, they're at home actually against uh, Rennes and I think that they're around 11-5 to five to win, um, did look very interesting did that to me, they're actually in decent form again Montpellier, they've won three on the bounce uh, they scored eight in those three games too. Dumped out Strasbourg in the cup uh, last week as well. Good, really good win at Lyon. Uh, no one really saw that one coming, but I thought they were they showed quality in the final third, and that's something that I, I like about this side. Uh, the likes of Andy Delor, Tizzy Savanier, who was unbelievable um, just a couple of seasons ago. Got a move to Montpellier after impressing. And he keeps putting up really good stats. Um, kind of a really good creative midfielder. Chips in with goals. Um, he, he doesn't really look like a footballer, to be able, to be honest. When you see him play, he's, he's quite stodgy and, and that. But he, he's got a lot of quality about him. And he, he should be fit here. Uh, get on Laborde. Mavididi as well, the Englishman, he's there. And uh, the lad that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, Wahi, who who actually came off the bench again and scored against Leon uh, the week after I put him up to score last. Uh, and he scored last uh, the game before and after I put him up, obviously. So uh, maybe one to look out for there, for Wahi, who, who looks a real player. Um, and if you actually look at the teams that Montpellier have lost to, they did go through that dodgy spell over the winter. Um, but they lost to PSG twice, Monaco, Marseille, Lille. Uh, there's no real disgrace in that. And I think that Rennes are more mid-table this season, in my opinion. that They've not got an awful lot of depth. 
and finding wins very hard to come by. Um, I just I just think that with Wren, I thought it, it will be kind of a matter of time before they kind of regress a little bit. If you look at their fixture schedule for the last kind of four years, it's been absolutely relentless with cup runs, Europa League, uh, league. They've got to the cup final a couple of times too. Uh, it's a fantastic job that Julian Stefan has done there. But it tends to kind of bite at some point. I think it, it's doing that this season. They're looking a little bit jaded in the final third. They're not looking like they've got that spark. They brought Jeremy Doku to the club, who's, who's a really good player. I think that he'll go on to big things, but it's not quite worked out for him yet either. They've had problems up front. Uh, Rugani's gone as well. Uh, so they've got less bodies than they had at the start of the season. And um, They kind of went on a four-game winning run in December time. But apart from that, it's been a really underwhelming season. Um, one win in the last eight in all competitions. That was at Brest, who've been struggling. Dumped out of the cup that, uh, by Angers last week and a uh, terrible 2-0 loss against a poor Saint-Étienne side, who, to be fair, turned up for that one. But yeah, I can't believe Ren are favourites here. I'm expecting this to go off as a draw or bet game. Um, scratch start, so... Getting Montpellier with a quarter goal start at five to six with Bet365 makes plenty of appeal. I think that the draw could be a runner, but I think Montpellier have them better options off the bench. I think they're more, more of a threat going forward at home. Uh, they're creating 1.7 xG per game, which is very good. And uh, Ren just don't have, don't have that spark up front at the minute. Um, they saw judging your Rutte to um, Hoffenheim well they, they didn't even sell him, he, he went on a free pretty much because they come time down to a contract which is a bit of a strange one but he looked like he could be their next main striker for a couple of years, he's not there it's not really worked for Giovanni up front and uh, obviously they lost Rafinha to Leeds as well in the summer so it's no surprise to see Renner struggling and um, I think the money should come from Montpellier so I'm happy to get them on board early doors with a quarter goal start. Money if they avoid defeat at five to six with that three six five. Yeah, I like that. Good pace, well made. Uh, Will, your next best, please. Yeah, I'm going to stick with League One, which is what I seem to know best at the moment. Bottom bottom four sides in League One. Uh, we've got Wigan Lincoln this weekend, uh, which just looks a huge um, disparity really here. Um, Usually as well in a tie between 23rd and, and 1st, I feel like you're looking at shorter prices than this on on, uh, on the top of the table side, which is Lincoln. They're 4-6 to six, or just shy of 4-6, to six, like 1.65 um, to win at the DW. And I think it's impacted really by, by recent form for the Imps, um, where they have only won one of their last four. But um, three of those four that they didn't win were against sides um, in the top six with them so they've had a bit of a tough fixture list um against sort of, i think it was doncaster accrington and i forget the other one they played recently but um if you start to look f- further against sort of bottom half sides they've won they've won 10 out of 13 this season um and looking at games against the bottom four they played 5-1-5 and won by an aggregate score of 16 to 3 
So I think we're going to back to. I mean, they just Wigan just lost five nil to Hull in in midweek. Um, really look quite uh, shorn of any kind of ability and chance in this match. Um, Lincoln have had a couple more players added to an injury list. That's sort of only got a squad of about sixteen to eighteen players right now, um, but very talented squad um, that that is anyway. They've lost Joe Walsh and, and Harry Anderson um, now as well to join Liam Bridcut on the injury list of so key players um, for Michael Apton. But and obviously they were knocked out of the Papa John's um, in midweek, which. I mean, actually, I guess it's genuinely kind of disappointing, I guess, for fans there because it, well, I mean, potentially is a trip to Wembley. I don't really know if, I mean, if we get no fans at the final of that, <laughs> I guess it's not really much of a spectacle to watch on TV to <laughs> empty Wembley. So, um, but yeah, either way, I mean, still a final of a, of a cup competition is quite important for fans of lower league football. Um I know that myself, having having been to a Johnson's Paint Trophy final. But uh, Lincoln, yeah, obviously also as well on Tuesday night travel to Swindon. So they've got a bit of a bit of cannon fodder ahead of them over these next two fixtures um, for for this weekend 11 that they're going to be fielding. Um, and on the other side of it, Wigan, Liam Richardson admitted for the first time they've got sort of off-field problems are beginning to seep through to these on-field performances. I mean, it's clear, obviously, everyone knows this, but that 5-0 drubbing by Hull and um, now they've slipped to second bottom in the league and um, have the worst goal difference in the third division and all sorts of horrible stats. I mean, that that 5-0 defeat to Hull, they beat Hull last season 8-0 in the championship <laughs> and now they lost 5-0 to them in the league below. So quite mad what's what's gone on off field there really, um, and and yeah, Wigan's data is the worst in the league for xG ratio and expected points, um, as I've mentioned numerously over the last few weeks, and and Lincoln's is the best in the league, and interestingly, Hull went off at four to seven um, in midweek at the DW. So the fact that Lincoln, who are better than them, above the league in them, are a bigger price just tells me that I feel like that price is going to shorten. Um, I feel like they'll probably go off shorter than four to seven, maybe around one to two. So there's a little bit of juice in that price, I think. Um, and the fact that that aggregate score for Lincoln in terms of playing against bottom four sides is 16 to three. I, I want to get Lincoln on a minus handicap slightly. Um, they are six to five at bet three, six, five and bet Victor for minus one Asian handicap. So money back if they win by only one, um, and for comparison as well, you can look at some other games earlier this season. I know we've obviously got little home advantage right now, and Sunderland are a big name, um, clearly in League One, and they beat they well they actually lost to Wigan. I think I put Sunderland up three 0 to win as a long shot <laughs> on Weir side, and uh, Wigan won one nil somehow. But Sunderland were four to eleven to win that game. Um, yeah, away I reckon Sunderland. Yeah, I just think Lincoln are being priced off of it, this being Lincoln, and maybe maybe slightly as well. Um, some some tougher recent form in the last four games for them. So I expect about one to two might be the starting price, though. Um, yeah, so Lincoln minus one, Asian handicap. Yeah, I agree. I, I did look at that price as well, and I think Lincoln were, were being underrated in that match. But uh, I have to say, I reckon I've backed against Wigan every time they've actually won this season. Um, <laughs> so don't worry, I won't back Lincoln this weekend, Will. You'll be fine without me. All right, um, thanks. <laughs> 
Let's get to the naps now, the best part of the show. As always, Tom, your best bet of the weekend, please. Yeah, Salford draw no bets against Carlisle at 5-6. to six. You can get that on Betfair Exchange and Red Zone. They're currently the best prices on that. It's a bit of 4-5 to five about as well, but I like the 5-6. to six. Um, It's a team that I, I really want to get on side with whenever they're at home, Salford yet to lose and um, they actually increased their, their good run at home with a win against Barrow 1-0 um, pr- pretty narrow game they, they were really good in the first half Salford and then kind of consolidated uh, and, and were quite solid defensively um, they've also been scoring goals in most of their home games as well, two or more goals in nine of the 14 at the Peninsula Stadium. And, yeah, they're, they're in decent form. Obviously, they beat Cambridge 4-1 recently at home, too. And if you look at kind of their XG data in the last eight games, uh, they sit second for XG from open play, uh, creating 1.3 XG from open play, which is really strong. Um, I just think when you look at their defensive record as well, I think they're, they're very, very hard to beat. And I can understand why this game's kind of priced up as a pick But uh, I think that the money might come for Salford. Uh, they're a team that I want to get on the right side of at home from now till the end of the season because I really like Richie Wellens as a manager. I think once he gets his ideas of cross and the way that he wants to play, the, play, the quality of the players that are in that squad, they should be in the top three, if not this season and next season. So, yeah, I, I really like them um, drawing a bet here. Basically, you wouldn't have lost money if you backed this in every single Salford home game this season. And uh, Carlisle at home have been decent. Aware uh, they've been all right. Um, but we've talked about their massive backlog of fixtures I mean that they haven't got free midweek for the rest of the season which is an incredible <laughs> thing I've never ever seen a, a scenario like that in my lifetime um, where you get to February and they're, they're playing Saturday Tuesday every week so I do feel for them and I do wonder if that will have a bit of a, a mental drain on them uh, they're always they might be thinking, like everyone will say, the manager, Chris Beach, will obviously be saying we're taking it one game at a time, but it's going to be really hard to have the time to kind of switch focus from one game to another, kind of do all your preparations, and then you're travelling. It's always going to be a long trip from Carlisle against anyone. It's in the absolute middle of nowhere. So I think that, as much as I've liked Carlisle, I've put them up on this podcast many a time. Um, I do think that they could kind of fall off a little bit. Um, if you look at how many shots they're, they're posting up um, compared with the XG, it kind of shows you that they're a bit, a bit, like, a bit like a stat padding team. They're taking shots from everywhere. Um, they're not creating brilliant chances, whereas Salford are are a bit more focused on quality chances. And I think that they could edge this one. Um, but the fact that we can get our money back if it's a draw, 
um, looks like a really good thing. So, yeah, five to six looks like a nice player. And maybe have this around eight to 11. So, that will be my nap this week from League Two. Salford draw no bets. That's uh, with Betfair Exchange, best price at five to six. Up the Amis. Will, mm. your favourite fancy of the weekend? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to Holland for the first time, probably, on the We Love Betting podcast, I think. Um, I'm feeling a bit of the old European night's weekend hangover, hopefully, effect coming in. Um, for, for Sparta Rotterdam away at Ajax, uh, die golden zonen hosting die rudwitte gladiatoren. Uh, <laughs> Sparta. Um, at, yeah, at um, the Johan Cruyff. And yeah, um, Eric Ten Hag's men have had an absolute nightmare off the field in February. I think it's probably a fair bit of newspaper headlines have maybe made their way over to, to British shores around this stuff. Um, Andre Onana was failed a doping test back in October. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's now, it's now banned for 12 months, um, only recently. Um, and he's claimed that he basically said that he took the wrong tablet that was meant for his wife. Make of, make of that what you will. But, um, <laughs> so he's, he's like by far the best keeper in, in the Eredivisie and has actually is actually quite a key player for them, even though they obviously dominate matches going forward with a lot of, a lot of verve and they don't really necessarily need him at all times. But, um, I mean, tonight against Lille, they're also without Sebastian Haller as well. Um, because they forgot to register him <laughs> um, with UEFA refused to refused to amend it as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just kicked off there. And I, I, I was on Lille as well. And I know you guys have put it up on We Love Betting Gold. And I backed Lille a couple of weeks ago when I heard about this information and the price has come down and down since then. But um, Haller will obviously, he's hit the ground running in Amsterdam. He's got five goals in, in nine appearances there. Um, he'll obviously be rested as, as he's not eligible. So um, it's not as big an issue um, in terms of players that they're missing because they're also missing Graven Birch tonight as well. He's quite a key man in midfield for them uh, from a red card as well. So, um, But obviously in the league, these are not the same issues. Um, eight of Ajax's 17 wins in Eredivisie have been by three or more goals, but only one of their last seven. Um, and Sparta have only lost two games all season by more than two goals. And they rank quite nicely for XG. They're, they're actually seventh for XG, so they're, they're with a positive ratio as well. So they've really hit some tough form the last few games, but they're not getting outplayed. Um, and I think they can consider themselves pretty unlucky to be down in 12th. Um, and Ajax hold a six-point lead in the league now over PSV. Um, they have a game in hand as well. I'm not, yeah, there could be, maybe be a little bit of complacency around that with the European focus now back back in centre. Um, obviously, the Europa League is a less elite competition for them. They're, they're often used to a bit more Champions League action, and um, but they'll still want to be still want to be doing well in that competition. Um, I just, I quite like Sparta on the handicap um, based upon a few of these little off the field issues and Onana being missing and, and their um, XG being better than better than we're expecting in the reverse fixture in, in Rotterdam. It was one nil to Ajax. Um, they did. That was a tag, a Tagliafico red card. Um, surprise. He's had a fair few of those in his time there. Um, so that dealt Ajax a tougher hand and they managed to hold on to the, to the one nil. 
but Sparta outshot them. Um, and Sparta's opposition as well received the, mo- the fourth most cards in the league, whereas Ajax has received the least. There's no card markets up yet, but basically Sparta's oppo um, received 1.9 cards per game, whereas Ajax's is just 1.1. So I, I like that as a, an extra angle when the markets are up for that. Um, you can get anything around six to five or more on Ajax most cards. It's been a real low cardy league the last few weeks, Eredivisie. I was getting some joy on on red cards in this league a few weeks back before before the Christmas break, but um, that's completely dried up. Um, so one of those worst kind of cards trends around. But anyway, that's not the nap. The nap is um, is Sparta Rotterdam plus two point five Asian handicap. Um, at four to five with Bet Victor. So if they win, draw, or lose by one or two goals, it's a winner. So you can obviously do the same. You could just, this this bet is basically the same as plus three on the three way handicap. Um, you just usually get a bit of a better price on the Asian handicap. So that's with Bet Victor. Um, I reckon they can keep it close at the Johan Cruyff Arena. Nicely done. I do like Sparta Rotterdam. Always play football in the right way. I say the right way. Uh, In an aesthetically pleasing way, you could say. Um, But that's all we've covered, all the main uh, areas we'd like to cover every week. And now all that's left is to ask you guys if there's any other business, anything you've not been able to mention that you want to share with the listeners, now is the time. Tom? Yeah, just one from me. I like a a bet in, in La Liga. Uh, it's it's the Atletico Madrid against Levante game, and these two actually met midweek, weirdly, uh, in the league, and they're playing each other again in the league uh, this weekend. So that game ended one-one. So a li- little hiccup there for Atleti. Uh, they they were looking kind of shoo-ins for the title, but they, they need kind of put 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 kind of teams like Levante are worse than them to bed, but. I've, I want to give a bit of credit to Levante. I think that they're a, an, a really enterprising team. I, I like how they play. It's kind of unlike La Liga, how they play. They're more like a Bundesliga team, I think, in how they approach games. They're quite attacking. And I think that they they can score here. I mean, we, we usually associate Atletico Madrid games, especially at home, and you look at them to win to nil, win and under three and a half goals. It's kind of going out the window this season. I know Simeone promised at the start of last season to be a bit more expansive. Um, didn't really come to fruition then, but this this season he, he seems to be sticking to his word. And that they've actually seen BTTS land in the last five games in all competitions. Atletico and Levante have seen BTTS land in 74% of their games, including the last far away from home which is the highest in La Liga, I believe. And both teams to score can be back to 11-10 to 10 with Sport Nation, which looks really nice. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Atleti had a couple of players who are due a ban. Um, Stefan Savic and Saul both picked up cards midweek, meaning that they're out of this game. I think they... They did that on purpose. Um, they're happy to miss out this game because they've got some big games. I think it's Villarreal and they've got the derby against Real coming up. Um, so they want to be 
fit and firing from for that. And I think with the Champions League coming round next week for Atleti, they're they're more than happy to miss out this game because they'd have probably rotated anyway. So um, they're they're without two kind of key defensive players there too. So. Yeah, I think both teams to score is overpriced at 11 to 10, and I'm willing to have a little go on that. Um, I'd probably make that odds on. Yeah, I can certainly see the the angle there. Uh, Will, anything you want to mention? Yeah, Atalanta, Napoli. Um, I think we had it in the poll, but it was never going to be the Milan derby. But um, Napoli's injury list is massive. Um, they're missing Di Lorenzo, Gulam, Haisaj, Koulibaly. Manalas, Mertens, Ospina, Petania, and then now also uh, Herving Lozano, um, Chucky, suffered a yeah, second-degree hamstring sprain um, in there. Did they beat Juve? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, um, so he's out as well. Real key player for them. Um, and Atalanta beat uh, Napoli 3-1 in the Coppa Italia just a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're just shy by well, about even money. Price seems to be dropping based upon probably this injuries news as well. Um, although that Lozano news came out three days ago after the game um, against Juve, but he could be out for over a month for them. Um, I just expect Atalanta to take advantage of that um, and probably, I think they're currently below them in the table. So um, leapfrog them um, and keep keep up in the race for, well, it looks like maybe the race for third now, really, with with the two Milan clubs accelerating away. Um, but yeah, so that one. And then also the uh, Lorien um, managed to get both teams to score against Monaco for my nap last weekend. And this weekend they play in Lille. Lille have a top of the league, same defensive record as PSG. One of the, Well, the best in the league, basically. But I still quite like both teams to score even money. Lorien have scored in eight of their last... Oh, sorry. It's been both teams have scored in eight of the last nine Lorient games. Um, I realise I'm saying it wrong, Lorient. Um, <laughs> after I educated myself last weekend and last week, and now I've gone back to my ways. But yeah, I, I quite like that as well. But um, two even money plays, Atalanta to win, and uh, both teams are scoring Lorient versus Lille. <laughs> very good um great plenty of bets there plenty of angles plenty of insight and plenty of research from the guys uh, enjoyed that hope you guys did too thanks again for listening we're going to wrap it up there uh, as always your support on social media and uh, the sharing of the podcast is hugely appreciated makes all that work much worthwhile and uh, we look forward to going back and uh, this well, i'm recording something again next weekend uh, obviously hope you're all doing okay in lockdown uh, our dms are always open if you do want to have a chat about football or betting or anything else but uh right now i guess it's time to say thanks very much for the contribution from tom love cheers mate and also will dyer cheers guys no frozen pitches this weekend <laughs> hopefully not spring is on the way thank god uh, this mm. has been the wheel of betting weekend preview podcast uh, chat soon